Hello, everybody, and welcome to our channel. We're offended, you're offended. I am reporting to you live. I like saying that live from home. <laughs> and Tyler, how are you today? So, slightly soaking wet. Um, it's been raining pretty much my entire drive <laughs> from from California to well, I, I'm in Winnipeg. Yay! Just well, not at home. Yeah, no. Sad face. Nope. Well, people like their shit, so. Yeah, right? What the hell's up with that? <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, no, this, this week. So, uh, I'm sure everyone is aware, but I'm in the transportation industry. I own a small little trucking company. What? Uh, I- yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. So it's uh the trucking industry is such a, a can of worms. So uh where do we start? Starting from shippers that like to hold on to trucks for an indefinite amount of time. So that's always that's what's a lot of fun. I like Oh, I forgot about that one. That's right. You were stuck at that one place for, what, 10 hours? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was super fun, I'm sure. And it's uh, it's quite a common thing in the industry where literally customers. So, like, I, I'm, I'm contracted to get a, a product from A to B safely and, you know, make sure that nothing's damaged. So... What some customers like to do is they turn my trailer into a mobile uh, storage unit. So the product will just sit in the trailer until they they decide that. Until they finally need it. Which is always super nice. And that's one thing about your job that's always uh, irritated me. I mean... I've been on the road with you and I myself have witnessed sitting there forever just waiting to get unloaded (laughs) or loaded. Like it's absolutely insane. The fact that they have zero, I I don't even know if it's respect for time, but just zero care for the driver's time whatsoever. Well, and I think one thing that people I don't think really, really grasp is, so I'm I'm contracted to do a job. So like I said, I'm contracted with one company to bring product from here to a different place. That's supposed to be the extent of our agreement. But customers will have a driver sit at at a customer for and it can you know some places can be really fast. Other places you can sit there for an entire day. So it makes it, uh, you know, when, when a customer says, I'll pay you this much, but you have to sit at this, at this customer for 10, 12 hours, you know, while the equipment is running, like it, it's all wear and tear. Well, it's not even so just, it, it's not even, sorry, it's not even just wear and tear. It's also, okay, you don't always have just one load for one customer in your trailer you have for multiple customers so if customer a needs their stuff 
well, whenever they're going to make you sit for 10 hours, but customer B needed it at 1400. Um, they don't, they, they don't seem to consider that whatsoever. They don't care if you're sitting there and now you have no more drive time for the day and you're not going to make it to that second customer. And for a lot of people don't realize that when you are owner operator, there are a lot of the times you're on the hook for that load. If it doesn't get to point A, B, C, or D on time, the truck driver is actually responsible for that load and might have to actually pay for that load. Well, okay, so hold on. So there's there's a difference with those two things. Um, so with when it's a, a company, so like if if a company is hauling the load, the company is responsible for it, regardless of the driver. I'm not a company driver. I own my own company. So if a drive if a driver is if a driver damages a load or writes something off, that's that's the company's responsibility, not the driver. So that's that's a bit of a bit of a misconception. So a driver can absolutely destroy a, a load. No, they can get fired, but uh, you can't make them pay for it. Yes, but those are company drivers. I was in referring to owner operators. Yeah. People who say have their own company. Yeah. Those but ones. It, it's, yeah, and that's that's no different than a company that has that hires someone to do it. The company is responsible. That's a little bit of a little bit of a difference. Uh so there is uh there was actually one article that I was looking at and this has been uh, this has been an, a big issue that's been plaguing the the transportation industry for God, probably 40 years if not longer. And uh so this article was actually from it was from truckingnews.com and it says Sorry, did you just what? say it's been plaguing you for 40 years? The plaguing the industry for 40 years. Oh, you said plaguing you. I'm like, um, how old are you? What are you hiding from me here? <laughs> I'm actually super. Yep. <laughs> I just tend just, to act like a child. And you just look that good. Yeah. <laughs> you look really good for your age. <laughs> yeah, sure. But so, okay, so this, this, article, or this article is titled Understanding Canada's Truck Driving Shortage. And so it's, uh, you know, is there a shortage? So the labor market is so tight right now that there are too few people to drive trucks. Are employers not doing enough to make the job attractive? With all the driver training, licensing, and safety requirements, is the bar too high for anyone to qualify? Um, trucking HR Canada's labor market information provides ongoing account of blah, blah, blah. Okay. So here's what we know. There are nearly 20,000 vacant truck driving positions in Canada alone. 61% of employers report they can't find all the drivers they need. 7.4% of all truck driver jobs are unfilled compared to 3.3 of other non-driver jobs. The unemployment rate. Hey, get over here. Did you just turn into Scorpion from Mortal Kombat? Telling a dog to shush. Yeah. Get over here! Okay, so the unemployment rate among truck drivers is much lower than the rest of the workforce. So truck drivers is at 6.2 compared to, or uh, uh, the outside of the trucking industry is 6.2, while truck driving jobs is almost 
So, however, if there are currently unemployed truck drivers or hired into a vacant position, there would still be more than 11,000 unfilled jobs. Really? Yeah. So, wow. it, continues, it continues to go on and on about... Uh, so, training is an issue. So, every year, about 20, 28,000 new inexperienced drivers enter the industry to replace drivers who retired or, or otherwise left their jobs. These new workers require entry-level and specialized training before they can even start to drive independently and to be ready to take the place of those experienced drivers who are leaving. So one thing that uh, ends up really happening, like so some of the, the, the dirty shit that goes on in this industry, a lot of temporary workers, this is a loophole that a lot of, uh, a lot of immigrants use to get into Canada since truck driving is considered a career choice, not a job. So one thing that ends up happening, and, and I, I spoke about this in, in a different episode, but companies will hire a guy from, uh, from another country. And because of our temporary foreign worker program and hiring um, immigrants, they, the government subsidizes them. So there's actually an active incentive for companies to hire less experienced, less capable, less familiar, even with the, the region that they're going to be driving in. So if, there, if there's a, say if someone comes to, to Canada to drive and they're, they're looking for a permanent residency or to become a permanent resident, what they have to do are... What a company can do is they'll sponsor this person, they'll bring them into Canada, and they'll get their, their training and stuff like that. But in terms of, of pay, companies, they can, it can be up to 50%. If not, I wouldn't be surprised if in some cases it's more than 50%. So if I have to pay, say, a kid, shut up. <laughs> If I have to pay, say, a natural-born citizen, I don't know, let's say 35 cents a mile. For, uh, can you hear her? No, actually, I can't hear oh, her. Okay. So if I need to pay a natural-born citizen 35 cents, let's say, per mile, what, uh, what a temporary worker I could pay is, I would pay them that same 35 cents, but the government would actually give a kickback. So they might kick back, say, 10, 12, 15 cents per mile or whatever that rate is. So it actually, it's, an ins it's actually an incentive. So instead of me having to pay 35 cents a mile, I'm actually paying like 12 or 15 cents per mile. Jeez. Yeah, so that ends up driving down the wages further and further and further. And then you end up getting, well, uh, and in... And it's, it's, it's a multifaceted uh, issue because, yes, there are people that are coming in. And, uh, and I, you know what? I'll, I'll say this right now. I, I, personally, I, I personally don't care what color someone's skin is, what gender they are. I, I really, I couldn't care less. I couldn't. My main focus is always on, can you do the job? That's it. Are you capable of doing it? And even in, 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 in a bigger sense, is there some type of professionalism? 
because if someone isn't a professional, well, they're they they make the the entire industry look bad, unfortunately. And and that that goes that's across the board. That's natural born citizens. That's new drivers. That's if someone is unprofessional and is incapable of doing their jobs, and I've said it with regards to Humboldt, it was it was it took a tragedy before government took notice, but they took notice in such a dumb way. So Humboldt happens. It's you know it, it made world news. The driver slammed into a bus, but what did they do? Well, these drivers need more training. Okay, but what else? The transportation industry is one of the heaviest regulated industries in the world. And in terms of on-the-job training, in terms of regulations that you need to follow, everything else, it should be considered a Red Seal certification. Now, this is where my beef with the MTA really gets into high fucking gear. Because they push all this type of stuff. They'll push the, oh, we need to increase training. Oh, drivers need to have an electronic, uh, like an ELD. So uh, like an, atro- uh, an electronic log book. So, so that ends up controlling when I can work, when I can stop, how long I can stop for, how long I can be off duty. Everything I do is regulated by it is regulated by the government. Hi. Sounded like you hiccuped. No, freaking Reese is barking at someone. Come here, you shitbox. Okay, but so... And like I said, this is where my grip with the MTA really starts to... to kind of... kind of get a little bit worse. Because, like I said, they've... they say that they've tried to push industry to a more to that type of stuff but they've they've increased the amount of training which i i support i think there should be a lot more training and, and we do have on the job training because well equipment changes laws change protocols change all this stuff changes but you're expected to know more and more and more with the caveat of your pay doesn't change at all. So that becomes a really big problem. In terms of cost, in, like in terms of time, the trade-off isn't all that good. So for most long-haul guys, while they're gone, at least a week at a time. So you're gone from home to make forty, maybe fifty thousand dollars Canadian a year. For most guys, it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. Yeah, I mean, I so, myself have personally met um, people going into the trucking industry or have talked to truck drivers that have either a they're from outside of Canada that are coming in to get their, I guess their class one. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Came in to get their class one 
in order for them to get the permanent residence card. That is their end game is to get the permanent residence card. And because being a class one driver, like you had mentioned, is considered a career. So people will come in. That seems to be the easiest, cheapest, quickest thing that somebody can do to become a permanent resident. So, Pardon me, I had a hiccup. So they'll come in, they'll do that. But I've met about three truck drivers now that literally came in just to get their permanent resident so they can go off to go back to school and do something else, whether it's be a teacher or a nurse, anything. But they're trying to get that permanent resident so they're here and then they can go off and do what it is that they actually want to do. Um, I've also oh, met yeah. somebody who was from Africa that this trucking company, which I won't mention, had actually gone out there and hired some guys for drivers, brought them back to Canada, paid for them to come back to Canada to then go get their class one. They paid for them to do the schooling to be drivers for them, which to me, it just sounded absolutely crazy because I'm like, why on earth would you go all the way to another country to find drivers, bring them back, pay for their travel, their move, find them help, help find them housing and pay for their training, everything. Like to me, that is so expensive. But so one thing that does happen is the company doesn't do that. It's like the, our, the Canadian government does that. Well, yeah, but how, when it's the actual company or is the, the government telling the company, Hey, you can go find yourself some drivers. We'll rent all the money. No, we'll pay for what, it all? What they can, no, but what can happen is, okay, I'm looking for a driver. Well, I know, I know South Africa, it, those people don't, don't tend to make a lot of money. So I can say, Hey, do this process, go get a work visa, go apply for your permanent residency in Canada. I'll pay you this. The Canadian government will help, or it could be some type of contract. Like, okay, if I'm doing this, you have to, you're stuck with the company for three, four, five years. But if you don't do anything and everything I say, when I say it, I'll just kick your ass back to whatever country you came from. So that's, uh, hmm. yeah. Maybe and then if, if government is subsidizing it, if, uh, well, it's, 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 it's almost, it's a no brainer. Like, why would you pay someone a good living wage to do a job and to be like, I, I personally, I take pride in my work. I take pride in what I do. And I'll, I'll use this example. So I had a load and this, this is a, a recent thing. So it's still relatively fresh was I was in a collision with a moose. I hit a moose. So the company that I'm contracted with, I, I got a phone call and they, then the, the, our safety person says like, well, is, is everything okay? You know, pull over and you, you know, like stop and you can, you know, just stop. And my response was, I can't, I have deliveries to make. Like, those people are relying on me to be there. So I, I can't just pull over and okay, I'm done driving. Like I, I dealt with the situation, but I, 
I like the truck was drivable. The hood smashed a little bit, but you know, it, I don't know. May, maybe I'm just uh, an old school fucking moron, but I, I take pride in it. And I just, I don't know. I wouldn't say that at all. I would say that you have a very strong work ethic. Like you were okay. Maybe uh, a little in shock, not uh, overly. And like you said, the vehicle is drivable. And sure, you could have taken the rest of the night off and kind of relaxed, I suppose. But in your mind, you felt, okay, well, I'm good to go. So I'm going to go. I have these things that I have to get done. And you're the truck driver. Like, this is your job. Is Your job is to bring other people their things. So. It's just, to me, it's a strong work ethic. I mean, I know lots of people do not have that anymore. And I think that's what was so surprising with the people at your work is you're saying, well, no, I got to go. And they're like, what the heck? Like, what do you mean you got to go? Like, it's okay. You can take the night off, you know, relax, whatever. You can get going again in the morning. And you're, no, I'm going. Where I'm the same way at my job. Like, I will call in sick if I cannot do my job. If I am really sick and I cannot perform my duties, then I will call in sick. But if I'm a little bit sick or I feel like I can get my job done, I'm going to work. I don't care. Like if I'm in pain, if whatever, I broke a toe, I'm not going to just sit there and milk it, whatever, which a lot of people do. They have a little sneeze. Oh, I'm not going to work today. You know, like just not a lot of people have that strong work ethic like we do. Well, I I don't know. Like it's, like I said, it's been an issue in this industry for like since the eighties, everyone, every old guy I've talked to every, you know, experienced guy, guys that have been driving longer than I've been alive. And they've all said since at least the 1980s, the industry has just gone further and further down. So it seems like it's a bit of a a race to the bottom because, uh, you know, industry is like, you know, say like with like MTA, the Manitoba Trucking Association. So they're a lobbying group that's supposed to speak on behalf of trucking companies. And, uh, you know, they, they tout all this stuff about, oh, we connect, you know, companies with the government and when we're trying to push for, you know, better representation and better stuff for, for the trucking industry. So one thing that, one thing I, well, I'm sure everyone's aware of it, but that grocery store that you shot at doesn't just magically have food just spring up. Wait, it it doesn't? I thought they grew their own food. I actually thought in the backs that they had their own like chicken coops and like, you know, cows and stuff that they would just slaughter and put out. Well, I guess with the, the, the lab grown meat, maybe that's a, that's going to be a thing. I had no idea. I literally thought they just grew it all. Yep. Good one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like there, there's a reason why the truck's on the road. It's moving supplies. But there's such a, such a race to the bottom to give more and more and more while charging less and less. So for, for me, I'm sorry, I don't want to just make a cent, literally a cent per mile. I, I don't want to be the cheapest. 
but it's like that's like the way that the industry goes like people so there there are some major retailers and they'll have companies and where they're in an, like these companies you see them in the ditch it's not uncommon to see them in the ditch uh, i won't name any companies names but i'm sure anyone that's in the tra- like transportation industry you know who they are <laughs> and and it is not uncommon that you see like if you see them in the ditch it's oh that's it's not surprising because it's the the lack of experience and the lack of I don't know. I guess I don't know if it's integrity or it's just well, you know what? If we have one truck out of a hundred going to the ditch, well, that's ninety nine loads that made it. Well, okay. For one example, look at or whatever. But when you were driving, um, I think it was through the mountains with our oldest. You had got rear-ended by another semi truck. And that was literally, it was in the winter and it was his first time ever, his first trip that he ever took. And his first trip that he ever took, they sent him through the Coquihalla, through the BC mountains, through the winter, which is to me, mind blowing. When you're on your first trip, you should be doing easy shit. You should be going the prairies and back, you know, get the feel of the vehicle, not your very first trip out. You send them on literally the hardest route that you can go. The Coquihalla is no joke in the winter. It's not that bad. It, the highway through hell? No. No. It's, <laughs> okay. 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 But no, see. Um, For experienced yeah, okay. drivers, it's not. Well, see, but that, that's the difference. So exactly. if, if, if the Coquihalla is. The Coquihalla isn't hard. It's just a big change in elevation. You're at the top of the mountains. Highway 3, anyone that's driven BC, Highway 3 in the winter, if you, like, if you want to meet your maker, you take Highway 3 in the winter, especially after it's snowed. You are asking for trouble. Is that the highway that I no. went on with you that we ended up having to pull over um, on kind of like I... a tiny little rest stop that one time? It was the, a very beautiful no. drive on our way to, I think we were going to Edmonton. No, that's it wasn't. Five. Okay, okay. That was brutal through the winter when we got dumped. We could barely move. <laughs> well, no, and I've gotten stuck in, in truck stops because it's just snowed so heavy. But yeah, then, but that's what's, I don't, that's what, but that, 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 I don't know, I guess that kind of mentality is moving away. Like, just the, you know, we get the work done. Yeah, it's probably, like, during snowstorms, any professional guy will say, that's when you prove that you're capable of doing the job. A lot of the times, like, every time I'm going through a snowstorm, I'm swearing my head off. That's fucking shit. Fucking sucks. I fucking hate the blah, 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 blah. And yet you but love then, it, though. Like, you... You you get so excited every single time I'm on the phone with you and you're going through a storm or there's a big storm or something like that. You actually get excited about it because it's more challenging for you. It's more exciting it's for fun. you. It's, it, it's so not fun. I would be white knuckling it the entire time. And I've been in the truck with you when we've gone through crazy snowstorms and I'm literally gripping on the side of that freaking door handle. And I'm just looking at you going, oh, my God. Like, I would have pulled over miles ago. 
And the fact that you just, you're like, I'm I'm good. I got this. That puts the difference though, between professional drivers and non-experienced drivers and non-experienced drivers. You do not send out in the first time through that. That is a trip for experience. Well, and, and that's see, and that's where, that's where, I don't know. Like, like I said, just that, that kind of the race to the bottom. So I am completely indistinguishable from any other truck on the road. You have no idea, unless you know my truck, my trailer, you have no idea. So I look the same and it's just like any, any other industry. It looks one, one plumber looks the same to the other. Oh, and it, eh, you know? except for when you had those real cool boogie lights on the last truck that we had. Oh, I miss those. Then yeah, I knew it was you. Are, <laughs> well, yeah, but even still to the, to the, to a, you know, to any, anyone in just a, a vehicle. Well, like just a doesn't car, know, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. But even still, like, I, if I see another truck, unless I know that person that drives that truck, it's just, it's just a, a faceless person. So there are some things in the industry, like CVOR or your uh, vehicle rating, that do impact how a driver or how a company can operate. So there are some limiting factors with that. But in terms of, in, in like, in within, even within Canada, there, there's such a, there's such a, a gap from a new driver to a professional. And that gap is no man's land. One thing I did actually really like that I seen out of Bison was they would take a, a graduate and they would, they had, they had like a, a mentorship program. So a driver, a new driver would go with an experienced instructor and they would go together for like six months. Actually, I think it was up to a year. And I applauded them for that. I'm like, good, because that's what the industry needs. Absolutely. But what ends up, the shitty thing that ends up happening is the small places, which I am, I'm a small trucking company. We end up getting shoved out. because. A lot of companies will literally operate runs at a loss. They will lose money just so that they could shut out competition. There are companies within, even within Winnipeg that are quite famous for it. They will literally lose money on a run just so that they have the run. And then when all the competition's gone, they jack up their rates. That is really shady. Well, it's, but that's the type of stuff that these large companies can do. So it ends up shutting out, say, a, uh, a smaller company that probably would do a better job, actually cares because that load is paying for next month. It's not just an expense or, or you know, a profit line. It's actually important. And I've always kind of been that, that way. So, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, for one me, thing oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, one thing I've always tried to look at, and I don't know, maybe this is where, like, my, my division in being a pro-union guy is making it a Red Seal certification. How much 
I don't know how how much training do you need? How much regulation? How much government interference needs to be there before? Like, and and that's the crazy thing is government won't do it because if they have to mandate certification, like Red Seal certification, oh, everyone in Canada, everyone in North America's food, I wouldn't be surprised if it went up probably 15 to 20%. I would not be surprised. Did you just say you're pro-union? I thought you were anti-union. No, I said, but this, this could be the argument to turn me into a pro-union guy. Oh, to turn you. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've I've seen too many unions where guys are just lazy. They do the absolute bare bones minimum, and and then they leave, and they they then they whine and complain about well I I'm only getting ninety five percent of dental and all benefits and my my CPP and other pension plans and investments and stocks are I'm only getting I'm only getting like really really good. I I want I want more. And there's a few companies that I can think of. I'm not going to name them, but I, I think they they cooperate pretty well in the industry. So they it's it's that type of stuff. What are they? They'll they'll complain that hey, we're, I'm not getting enough. And I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just uh, you know a whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You said it, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. It's just well, maybe I should find a unionized job, and I don't know. Well, but I can't. I'm you know, company, so <laughs> yeah. Well, you'd but have I'm to go back to being a company guy, or uh, yeah, a company. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing. Yeah, there, that there's such a, a big divide in the industry, and the argument is either well. It's either there's not enough pay or there's not enough. Uh, the rates are so low because it's, uh, well, it, like I said, it, it's multiple factors. Over-regulation, low pay, low, well, I guess low, low trade for your time, I should say. And just that, that barrier to entry, like Manitoba and I know a couple of their provinces have mandated higher levels of training okay but the pay doesn't reflect it that's the thing now yeah absolutely that's with a lot of jobs not just yeah not just in the trucking industry is they require higher education and yeah that's exactly it is a lot of the times the pays don't reflect it yeah not at all so one of the the most vital like one thing one thing in the transportation industry is heavily subsidized by the government in terms of tax write-offs in ter- in terms of fuel subsidies in terms of of well no, I think that that's actually probably the the major two is fuel subsidy and well I guess the NAFTA agreements really helped push the industry even lower but that's a that's a that's a thing for a different for a different episode. Where I can rag on NAFTA. <laughs> but it's uh, 
I don't know. So the w- one thing that it actually says that in, in this article, it's uh, so with uh, the electronic logging devices, so speed limiters, so that's becoming a big thing where trucks can only go 105. So not only are you now regulated to how much you can work, how far you can go. So what companies have to do is now they have to maximize every single square inch inside that trailer in order to maintain the pay that they would get or uh, the types of, uh, or to afford the rates that they're charging. See, and what a lot of people don't realize either is, okay, so we live in Manitoba. So you could sit there and hear, okay, well, if a vehicle is governed to 105, I mean, the speed limit's 100. Yes, the majority of the people do 110. Some people do faster. But, okay, 105, you know, it's still doing the speed limit, but a little bit extra. That's really not that bad. What are people complaining about? Well, when you go to places like in BC, through the mountains in some areas, the speed limit there is 120. Now, you're driving 120 through the mountains or anywhere, but let's just say in the mountains at this point, you turn a corner, there's a big semi in front of you that you happen to really catch up on. Well, now you're way have to slow way down and keep up with this semi or attempt at passing him in a dangerous, like a dangerous turn or something. But the thing is, yes, there's a lot of areas that are double lane that you can go past, but my point still stands is there are different areas. There's in Saskatchewan, there's speed limits, that's 110. There's BC that goes 120. If you go to the States, well, there's parts in the States that go faster than that. So, and you can't keep up with actual speed limits because you're governed at a certain thing which as anybody knows going too fast too like too fast is dangerous and going too slow is also dangerous on the road yeah well and there's certain states um california oregon washington they they hate semis with a passion i think if they could actually just outlaw semis period i wouldn't be surprised if they did (laughs) why do you think they hate them so much uh, California, you cannot go faster than 55 miles per hour, which is 90, 89 kilometers. Yeah, I was going to say that's like 80-something. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can't, can't actually flow with traffic. Why would they do that? That is so dangerous. California hates truck drivers. They think that they're, they're the worst thing in the world. Up. Yeah, but... So, okay, they think it's the worst thing in the world, but then they're going to govern them to go super slow. How is that even helping the problem? That's making it more dangerous. Emissions. It all has to do with emissions. Oh, Jesus. Right. Hollywood emissions. Got it. If a semi goes slower, it... Oh, my God. This guy is fucking... Holy shit. Sorry, I am at a customer and this semi is like millimeters from hitting my Oh shit. Well, here's hoping he's a good Go. driver and doesn't hit you. Millimeters. I'm not joking. I actually thought he was going to hit it. Oh jeez. Um but yeah, so so it so you're you're like I said you're regulated, what and when you can work, how long you can work, how you can stop, how fast you can go, yada yada yada. 
So if everyone is at the uh, is at the you know same line, well, it's not like you can say, oh, this company, you know, if you need to get that stuff there, they're going to get it there. And I can understand from a you know, oh, we deal with the public. Okay, a doctor deals with the public. A doctor has less regulations than a transportation driver does. Because they're not limited to how much they can work. A doctor can literally operate on someone for 48 hours straight. I know, isn't that crazy? To me, that just sounds absolutely absurd. Like, I understand people need surgeries, and I understand that they don't go very quickly. And that there are, you know, if you have one doctor doing it, you want to keep going. But to me, it's absolutely insane. Like, you get tired, you start getting flum- like flumsy with your fingers. Like, I, I don't understand how a doctor can perform a surgery for 48 hours straight, and that's okay. Cocaine. Cocaine. Lots of cocaine. Well, right, though? But it's like, at that point, like, literally, this is a life and death thing. Like, if this doctor messes up because he's tired or something, like, really? That's okay. okay. But other okay, people... So for- <laughs> So for everyone to, to kind of understand this right now, so I, like I said, I'm at a customer right now. This driver is trying to pull in next to me. He almost took my mirror off. He adjusted himself, and he ends up almost hitting the guy on the other side of him when he has probably a good 150, 200 feet to back up. Oh, God. So this is, this is kind of the, the, the thing that happens with what the trucking industry is. People see no difference. So I would actually like to see a loosening of regulations with that type of stuff, but fucking right. Be a cold day in hell. But, but how does it, um, like, th- that, that makes sense, though. Like, I, I don't understand how that would make sense to any human being. A doctor can go for 48 hours straight doing a surgery, but a truck driver is only allowed to, dr- or to work for, or drive for 10 hours a day, or 8 hours a day, or whatever it is. You know, they regulate so many things, but yet a, a, a doctor who is there to save lives, which, again, I understand why surgeries would take so long, but do tap out. Like, go for a while and have another doctor come in or something. Like, to me, that's just crazy. One doctor, 48 hours. Yeah. That's so dangerous. So there, was, there was actually uh, one comment that, uh, that was on here. And uh, so the person says, I have been a professional truck driver, or I have never been a professional truck driver, but I've looked into it over the years since my aviation job has brought about numerous bouts of unemployment. And this is what he's learned. Professional drivers point out very low pay along with very high hours, and the driver is pretty much legally responsible for everything. The employer demands for experience, but it seems unrealistic. Entry-level truckers won't even get hired unless they have some sort of accredited training, meaning they have that meaning that just having the required license gets you nowhere. Many potential new entrants look at the situation and go elsewhere for employment. Experienced drivers get worn out and just leave. That's actually what I did for a while. I was burnt out, and I just I I actually let my class one lapse. I, I was actually done with trucking. Uh, so he continues to say, and why would the experienced ones who are unemployed and looking for work not get hired? Once again, this points to employer expectations. 
I am retired now, but I thought I could maybe do it on a part-time basis. Having looked at it one time or one more time, always the same problems. Not experienced, low pay, and it goes on. Not worth even trying. Not even with a free provincially sponsored course. I think the industry has to take a good look at itself, which I totally agree with. 100%. And so one other thing that people don't understand that in this industry, everything is run by insurance. Everything. It's industry dictates everything that happens. So, uh, um, well, I guess we can kind of, kind of switch gears a little bit. No, no pun intended. Well, <laughs> semis nowadays aren't even manual, so they're all automatic pieces of shit. Yeah, so it's time to turn the dial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, turn the dial. Press the button. <laughs> so this is an article that came from Proof Food Insecurity Policy Research. So this is from the the I believe this is from the University of Toronto. Uh, drawing on data from nearly a hundred and three thousand households from Stats Canada. They found that one eighth households were fruit, food insecure. So this represents 4.4 million people. Uh, this number is, is well, uh, they're, they're saying that it's an underestimate. The survey sample does not include people living on First Nation reserves, people in some remote northern areas, or people who are homeless. And when did they do so, this study? So in uh, from 2018 to 2019 is when they ran the numbers, and this was published in March of 2020. Okay. So household food insecurity refers to the inadequate or insecure access to food due to financial constraints. The experiences assessed to determine a household's food security status range from concerns about running out of food before there is more money to buy more to the inability to afford a balanced diet, to going hungry, missing meals, and extreme cases, not eating for whole days because of a lack of food and money for it. So this, is, this would end up kind of tying in a little bit with the, the trucking industry is the trucking industry is reliant on people producing things. If nobody is able to produce things, the food and the supplies that are there go up. They go up in price. So there's this, there's this crazy thing, and it scares the ever-living shit out of me. Oh, crap, and I just lost it. Um, and it's a dirty thing in, in finance, and it's called stagflation. So stagnation and inflation together, you get stagflation. So What's what that? is Investopedia? In, Investopedia says that stagflation is characterized by slow economic growth and relatively high unemployment or economic uh, stagnation, which at the same time is accompanied by rising prices. Stagflation can... Uh, alternatively be defined as a period of inflation to, uh, combined with a decline in gross domestic product. Okay, so now explain what you just oh. read to me like I'm five. Okay, so 
if if there's not a lot of people able to purchase stuff well the 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 cost in order to maintain a company to produce that stuff has to go up so there's one thing uh say like with uh um at grocery stores say a a package of i don't know let's say a good cut of meat let's say like a sirloin say it costs i don't know what what does that cost like 40 bucks i don't know i, I buy cheap yeah. shit yeah yeah so. <laughs> 40 and up absolutely okay so there is a built-in margin with that with the expectation that that one package is actually paying for two because there's an expectation that one of them will actually get thrown out so now if more and more product is going to waste in order for a company to keep that product now they need to charge more and more and more what yeah so that doesn't make any sense as a period of inflation a period of inflation combined with a decline in gross domestic product so if people aren't producing a lot and this is a perfect example of what's happening in Canada right now. Our government is printing a lot of money, billions of dollars. So that inherently will create inflation. So now there's, it takes more money to purchase the same amount of stuff. But now there's less product. Um, there's less product that can be purchased you, you, you get what i'm saying you, you catching what i'm throwing now <laughs> i well i think so like less is being produced so they have to raise the price well is so it- if there's a but if, if someone is so if i have you know and I, i've used this analogy so if i have ten thousand dollars what inflation naturally does is it gives that $10,000 is worth less and less and less over time. So yeah. if, I, if I have this money and inflation is rising because, well, people were told to stay home. People were told to don't go to work. We can't, you know, stores can't operate. Businesses can't operate. People can't do their job. You're so 10000 Well, now you're $10,000. Not only is it purchasing, it has less purchasing power, it now costs more in order to purchase those same goods. Yeah, because your 10000 could actually only be worth 9000 So in order to get the 10000 you originally had could be 11000 right? Well, uh, yeah, like in inflation has gone up another 3.7%, which is like month over month. So a typical basket of goods now cost 3.7% more, which means you now have to work 3.7% more on average to purchase those same products. So it's, uh, it becomes, it's stagflation. I think everyone should know it and be absolutely terrified. Like, if... So is there yeah. like, is there like a five-year-old way you can synopsize what stagflation means hey. 
So GDP is a gross domestic product that a country produces. So if a country isn't producing anything, see, hold on, see all this. Uh, so when the production of goods and services in an economy slows down or even starts to decline. So, so basically, if you're not producing anything, so if you're not making, I don't know, you're not making water bottles. Okay, well, my money, it, it would literally take more and more money for me to buy that water that you no longer produce in order for you to produce it. Okay, because it's just not worth the company to produce it because it's not, because everything's going up, that it's not worth it. But it, to an extent, but it's even, you can't even do it. So the, the government shut everything down. Yeah. Well, so what are we, what are you going to, like, how are you going to buy things if there's nothing to buy? Well, yeah, exactly, I guess. And nowhere to sell it to. So, like, even if I still made water bottles, well, who's actually, what well, company is going to buy the water bottles off of me to sell them? Because they don't have the money because everything's closed down and people haven't been working. So how are they going to purchase it? Exactly. Gotcha. So it becomes it's wow. stagflation. Like inflation is one thing, and you know, I, I've I've heard the argument that inflation is good for a healthy economy, but if it's an artificial inflation, like a government just has to try and keep inflation rates down artificially, it's. Ugh becomes really scary. So if I want to buy something, well, I give you money in terms of I'm exchanging my goods, as in like the stuff that I've produced to purchase the things that you produced. The basic vehicle of money is just an exchange of, of property. So it's, it, uh, I don't know. Are, are, are you kind of are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I caught so your fish. What, <laughs> okay. So if I'm not producing anything, i.e., let's say I'm not working, and you're not working, well, we just have this. We have this. This paper is not worth anything. So it. Uh, and and look at how Canada is right now. Like, yeah, we're we're opening up. I I guess a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Who knows how long that's going to be for, though? I mean, we started well, opening up. Been... Well, they they started um, releasing a bit of the rains before, and then another wave hit, and then it was boom, lockdown again. So I don't know. It's been like a week maybe since we've been able to go most places without wearing a mask, but not all places, all government buildings, you still have to wear masks when entering um, and working in. Um, yeah. And obviously hospitals, but that's government too. So I don't know other places, you know, a lot of it is a choice, but there's still lots of mask wearing and stuff like that, which whatever I'm at this point, it's been, over a year and a half already, it felt really weird. The first time I walked into a store, 
I felt like I was exposed. Like, like my, <laughs> felt like my tits were hanging out or something that everyone's just like, <laughs> I just felt so awkward. I'm like, Oh my God. The cutest thing is though, um, I had had a doctor's appointment and it's when the, again, the mask thing started loosening, but there was two other people that were waiting in the waiting room. There was a elderly lady, probably in her eighties. And then there was another lady that was probably in her fifties and their social distance. They didn't know each other. And the older lady had looked over, um, at the 40 something or 50 year old lady and the younger one had said, it'll be so nice once I can finally start seeing people's smiles again. And the 80-year-old lady pulled her mask down and smiled. And then the other lady pulled her mask down and smiled. It was just the cutest moment ever. I wish I recorded it. I absolutely just loved it. It was so sweet. But it's crazy. Like, for especially in Manitoba, we've been, well, Canada has been under lockdown the longest Manitoba has been the longest in Canada, but it's like you miss people's oh, you faces. Haven't, you, ha- you haven't seen Australia. Ooh. Oh my God. I've heard stories. I haven't seen any articles, but I have heard stories of um, them literally removing children from homes and stuff like that. If they're not vaccinated, like they're taking kids away. I don't yeah, know it, if that's accurate. I heard you really have to do digging to even find that information because it's something that the government doesn't want you to know. But of course not. <laughs> I've heard stories. I've heard it is pretty insane down there. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I don't know. And like, if you want to see like a, a government overreach, government uh, coming in to replace your your. You know, the parents, what's a better example than seeing government literally saying, hey, parents, you're too dumb even to make a decision for your child. That's not government's job, but whatever. No, but apparently they feel like they can just stick their nose into whatever they want and literally call the shots. Like, and the funny thing is, like, especially with Australia, Australia, I have always, like, looked at Australians and been like, I want to be them. Like, they always seem so relaxed, so stress-free. I mean, literally, every time they walk out of their house, there's something out there that could kill them, sting them, bite them, whatever. Like, literally, they face death every second of their life. And they're just so laid back and just, no worries, mate. You know what I mean? Like, they're just so chill. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was more like that instead of this giant ball of stress all the time. I want to be freaking Australian and chill. But sounds like their government ain't so chill. Well, yeah, and now they're trying to go for COVID zero. Like, no, no case ever, ever again. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, and only to do that is to go to extremes, which it sounds like that's exactly what they're doing. And that's pretty scary. I mean, the last time government stepped in and started telling people that they can't raise their children and we're going to do it better, we had what? Da-da-da-da! Residential schooling. That worked out real well. Yeah, no, and government tries to replace the parents and replace the church and replace community. Holy, what, like, like, and, and I've said it, I, I'm not religious, I don't have a dog in this fight, but if if an atheist is pushing for churches to be, you know, separate from government, 
why why am i understanding this argument more than than the, the people that are supposed to be you know religious i don't know i i don't get i don't get how 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 an, an atheist or i would say at, at the very at least i'd say i'm i'm a, an an agnostic atheist so i i don't know but i would lean on yeah, pro- probably god isn't real but yeah, it's. Uh, but I mean, even still, I mean, whether you believe in it or not, you still seem to have more compassion and understanding for people, and understand, you know, if someone wants to go to church, that's their right to go to church. Like you may not uh, agree, well, not necessarily agree with it, but you may not believe the same things. But yeah, get it away from the government. Like it, this is ridiculous. Through the whole COVID, well, like it, no one can go to church, nobody can do this. What? <laughs> like. Well, and this, this is, and so a lot of like the, the, the statistics and information is just saying about like, you know, the COVID deaths, COVID infections, we have no idea the knock on effect that this is going to have the extreme, the draconian, the, well, yeah, the draconian measures that government has taken for something that, and I will say at the start, okay, we don't know what we're dealing with. Totally agree. Most people were going to be fine. Most people. And, and, and I hate that I always have to preface this or, or validate with this with, yes, some people are going to have a bad reaction. Some people are allergic to, to fucking water. Okay, like it's, yeah, it's shit that's really shitty, but we don't curtail our, our entire society because some people can't drink water. Well, you know, and, and, <laughs> I, but, I mean, it's a little more severe than that. I mean, the, the, the amount of people who can't drink water as opposed to this are vastly different. But, I mean, I, okay. I understand what you're saying, though. Like, it's, it, yes, in the beginning it was super feared. No one knew what it was. And it they expected and predicted it was going to be a lot worse than it is. It was bad still, 100%. But it definitely was not as bad as they had feared. And even after finding that out, there were still lots of places like Canada that were still under massive lockdowns. I understand the wanting to be safe and wanting to make sure that people are okay and that this stops. And I mean, the the whole how much it's been mutating is quite scary. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like it's been mutating quite quickly. But it was um Definitely, I think overboard. Oh, I uh, well, and like I said, if government has to step in, and you know, I, I hear the arguments that oh, well, if people were just if people weren't so selfish, if people weren't so stupid, what what do you mean that 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 the the separation in in that kind of thought? makes no sense to me if people just shut up and did it we'd be out of this problem well yes because that argument is well if people would just you know go get vaccinated get all this done then we would have been back to normal a lot sooner it's the people who are the anti-maskers anti-vaxxers that are prolonging this um horrible lockdown for everybody 
that is the well, I, premise. I, I was I was I was talking with someone today. Actually, I was talking to my mom today about this, <laughs> and and I was saying it sucks because everyone that even just asks a question, just. I don't know if it's okay for me. I'm going to talk to my doctor. Well, why don't you just get it? Why, why, do you, why, why are you so selfish? Doesn't that sound so selfish? Why aren't you getting it because of me? I mean, it, it, it 100% is. I mean, people saying that other people should get vaccinated so everybody can get back to normal. That is a, it's the same thing. Right? It's a... Yeah more selfish aspect to way to look at it. They want their lives back. Well, and, and remember like at the start, 15 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> Why? So that our, our hospitals don't get overwhelmed. That was why that's, that's where we've moved from. We moved from 15 days to slow the spread so that our shitty healthcare system can manage our healthcare system. And I've said it before, our healthcare system has been dog shit long before this. That's, that's where like, think of that 15 days to slow the spread. So our hospitals don't get overwhelmed. You know, now look, I honestly think, which it could be wrong too. I mean, I, I think a lot of this was, it's trial and error. Um, but I, I almost think that, I can't remember who it was that said this. I don't know if it was Fauci or somebody, but somebody had made the comment if they had just in the very beginning, literally shut everybody down for if that two weeks, that 15 days, everybody is to stay in their home, not go out, da, 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 like just everything shuts down do hardcore shutdown and then be able to bring it back that that might have actually helped eradicate it or definitely slow it way better than it did i think the whole partial shutdowns that they were doing were okay all the the small mom and pop shops they have to get closed but we're going to leave the giant stores open and have everybody line up outside for hours all close together and whatnot like to me i, I think that was absolutely ridiculous well, like, it's, I, and some of the other conversations that I've had, it's, it's a lot of half measures. Like, well, exactly. That's is exactly what I mean. Is if they would have done a hardcore shutdown, maybe things no, might but, have been better. See, but, but, but the same thing is when you like, and, and this is when, when it's, when the collective overrules the individual's ability to choose. So, well, let's just paint everyone with the same brush. We're shutting everything down for 15 days. Okay, well, some people can't, like, how many people can afford two weeks to not work? To not have a, a paycheck come in? How many people can afford that? Well, no. But, uh, but, but the, the original point that I was making was the knock-on effect that we're going to have of this is, you know, in, in terms of of suicide in terms of elective surgeries that people's conditions have gotten significantly worse. Oh yeah. In, in, in terms of, you know, substance abuse, alcohol, spousal abuse, suicide, 
Oh. Yeah, domestic like, violence, hundred percent. And and anyone that says that, oh no, that that hasn't happened. In fact, it's gone down. Bullshit. Oh, are you kidding? Even okay. Oh, even you look hmm? at um, like I was talking with somebody from CFS, and even there, they are so backlogged. Like they they can't even keep up with everything that they have because there's so much more domestic violence or so much more abuse on children. Like it's because people are so angry. They're out of work. They're frustrated. They're stuck at home. Like it's been crazy on the rise. And I mean, the, like you had mentioned like suicide rates and stuff like that, the amount that they've actually gone up all these abuse and self-harm and stuff like that is astronomical. Yeah, and and like in terms of like overdose and you know maybe accidental overdose, it's uh, I don't I don't know like it's like to go from don't let our hospitals get overwhelmed to you need a passport you need to give up your personal information you need to declare. We need to see your papers. If you don't do this, you're a second-class citizen. Your rights are taken away, and then you get them back as, as our government has said, as privileges. People that are, are vaccinated will enjoy certain privileges. Yeah, That is one thing that, that I, it goes in my head, and it pisses me off. Pisses me off so fucking much. And I, you know what? No, so freaking much because I'm trying not to swear as much, but <laughs> no. that that raises my uh, that raises my blood pressure a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. There's there's lots of beeps coming ahead, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but yeah, shoot, <laughs> I was gonna go somewhere with that and I lost it. <laughs> no, but it's. Like and, and that's one side that I'll come from is personal choice and the humanity in it. For the government to, to overreach and say for Australia to say that if you don't do this, like this is as everyone, you know, as the, the same talking point that this is an emergency use. We're supposed it's supposed to be for an emergency of say like a, a, a chemical weapon, a biological weapon, or an earthquake. That's what emergency powers are supposed to do. In the event of a catastrophe, well, we've government has still operated, and, and it hasn't uh, it hasn't impeded it. Well, so I mean, like I said in the beginning, everyone was scared. Everyone thought it was going to be so much worse than it really was. I I can kind of, I don't know, I can understand both sides of it. Like, I can understand if, okay, well, we need to step in. We need to try to make sure everyone's okay. I think the way that things were gone about, I don't think are right. I really don't. Oh, no, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, no, I, I don't think at all. I think when government starts dictating and telling people what they can and cannot do to who they can associate with, where they can practice, you know, th their religion, even protests. Remember that. Remember I, I can't even. that the, 
the Black Lives Matter was was protesting in in Toronto. We had Black Lives Matter in Winnipeg, tearing down statues and burning stuff. Well, it's but, a, you know that's okay. Those those are okay. But in order to say, hey, government, let me make the choice. And I'll, I'll say this to, to anyone and everyone: if I don't care if you're my mom, my dad, my my like and, and friends, family. No, I, I'm not going to take your fucking opinion. I mean, sorry, I'm not going to take your frickin' opinion. <laughs> I'm going to seek out as much information as I can find and make the decision on that. I've talked to my doctor. I haven't just, oh, well, no, this stuff's all bad for you. And no, no, no. But. No, you've done, you've done the research. You've looked into it. You look at all sides. And then you make your decision based upon all of that, which is what people should be doing. They shouldn't be, I mean, if, if the end result is okay, uh, yes, I, I got vaccinated or whatever. Okay. But at least do the research on it. Like look out for yourself, talk to your doctor. There are certain vaccines that were out there that aren't good for certain people of certain age groups or certain weights or certain health concerns. Like you or, need to or religious, like you know, people say, "Oh, you know, you need to respect my religion." And res- okay, but like, say in terms of uh, let's say like like Catholic. Well, some people have have made the argument. Well, because this vaccine was used by aborted fetuses or unborn fetuses, we're, like morally, they can't do it. It contained it. Yeah. So, you know, it, and I like that. And that's the thing. I mean, it should be a personal choice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a little hard thing to swallow, right? Like some people can just be like, okay, well, yeah, like you have this and you have that and these type of things and whatever. And they can look past that. But some people, some religions, like you just mentioned about the, the Catholic religion or whatever, like, I understand that. Like, if that's something that's a, of a concern, if we're, we're supposed to be there to understand, respect, and be one with everybody of every color, of every race, of every gender, every religion, you can't pick and choose the ones that are okay to abide by and okay not to. Like, it's just, it's not okay. It really oh, isn't. It's, it's, it's not. You, you can't dictate. Like, and, and Canada is supposed to be freedom of religion. Freedom of association. So when you have one group of people can, can argue and, and protest. And I think I brought this up a little bit ago. The irony in people protesting Alberta lifting its COVID-19 restrictions. <laughs> the irony in that is, I, I, I don't even know what, uh, the, uh, the best example is that example. Your right to protest, your right to petition your government, an air of grievances. But, no, this one is approved. People that are protesting the lockdowns and government overreach and government stepping in and saying, uh, papers, please. 
Do you think that maybe a lot of the people who, that there, there might've been a protest that was actually started for maybe a good cause. We'll say maybe, but maybe a good cause. But do you actually think all those people were there to support that cause? Or do you think that it's possible that there might have been a significant amount of people there that were like, dude, I'm not allowed to have my friend over or my family members over because of COVID. But if we go do this protest, dude, we can hang out. I, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> possibility? I think the people that are going to do that stuff are just going to, they're just going to go hang. Yeah, but it's the like, one way that you can do it without getting ticketed <laughs> and having know, to pay a fortune. The, I, well, I guess since the, the restrictions were being lifted, yeah, maybe they uh, <laughs> maybe they could just say, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, maybe like a little bit of a workaround, but I don't. It's just just the the irony in protesting for the government to take away your rights, right? That to me is is ridiculous. You had <laughs> protests in the beginning. Hold on, you had protests in the beginning because the government is taking away your rights and all these COVID things. So people are freaking out and they're getting mad because their, their businesses are being closed and they're not allowed to do this. They're not allowed to do that. And then they start lifting them. They're like, okay guys, you know, it's time. We're going to start lifting them. And then people are like, what? No, nay, 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 nay. Put them back. Put them back. Oh my God. Don't take them away. (laughs) Take away my rights again. (laughs) Like, it's like, are you kidding me? If you don't feel comfortable going somewhere without a mask, or don't want to be in group settings, guess what, guys? You have that choice that you can say, no, thank you. I'm going to go and I'm still going to choose to wear my mask, even though masks restrictions have been lifted. You can still do that. You don't need a government to tell you that you can do that. That's your choice. I wonder if, I wonder if the, like, the, the same people that push for, you know, these... And I and I understand that there are some people like there was a there's an a, a, a video going around of a, a doctor saying like uh, anyone that's gotten these vaccines is going to be dead in five years. Um, My God! Everyone that's everyone that's getting these vaccinations are they're all getting blood clots and and stuff. Hey, come here. That's a little disturbing. I would love to, you know, but you're like, too far away. See, but there's, and, and this is where, like, and this, this is a, a like, he's a doctor. He's, you know, he says that he's been a doctor for, like, 20-something years. Well, that's really scary. So, so, we have, you know, then you have some doctors that are saying, oh, no, you can only take this. This is the only thing that's going to work ever. And then you have some on the other side. And, but that's the thing. It's all, it's, it's, it's a, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum of doctors. Some are saying the, the, the vaccines are going to kill you. Some are saying the vaccines don't do anything. Some are saying that these alternative treatments might help or at least help alleviate some of the, the severity of the, the reaction. Like and, the antidepressant one that you had mentioned the other day. <laughs> well, yeah. And like there's, and there's, but that's the thing there's which doctor do you believe right and it's become such a politicized and such a divided thing where there was some stuff i was uh and i know everyone everyone always makes the the comparison to to you know 
Nazi Germany and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, it seems like a lot of the, the similar rhetoric and the si similar kind of conditioning was happening. You know, so it was saying that, you know, the people that aren't doing it. So in, in, in terms of like, like when Nazi Germany, or I guess the rise of uh, Nazi Germany was, they were saying that the others, that's a lot of what their focus was on. These people are the reason why your world sucks and why, why bad things keep happening. So, and they, they kept kind of hammering that point on and on and on and on. So, uh, I should, there was some stuff that I, uh, this is, I wasn't really looking at getting into this, but, um, so there were, they, they had some campaigns that, that cultivated, uh, indifference, uh, to, to Jewish people where they actually, it actually started helping, I guess, kind of facilitate or, or it became more acceptable to commit violence against like Jewish people. So that like, it became more and more normal because while well, they had the government kind of accepting it. That sounds a little messed up. Yeah. So it was, uh, I don't know. It's I'm, like I said, I know everyone makes this kind of comparison, but this, it, it it should be a reminder. It should like history should be a lesson. So the one part was so in 1936, the majority of Germans at least passively accepted discrimination against Jews. An underground report re uh, prepared in January of 1936 by an observer of the German Social Democratic Party leaders in exile noted the feeling that the Jews are another race is today a general one. So and some of the other things that they did was they abrogated civil liberties such as freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and the press. Those are some of the things that Nazi Germany did. So there's, there's one thing that's happening in, uh, in Australia is, so you remember like the... the uh, Crocodile Dundee, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, how how big his hat was, and how he had the the, the, the knife on the yeah. now yeah. lace, now lace is a knife. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. The, the the COVID hotels, and they were saying, oh, that these didn't work. No, so, didn't know they had that in know, Australia. Well, similar to Canada. Well, what did we have? We had we sent people that were yeah. the other that they were sent to these places. Yeah. Well, they ended up getting shut down because there were reports of sexual assault, women being assaulted, people not being fed, people being isolated, people basically being in solitary confinement. Well, I know in some of the ones, like uh, there's a hotel close to my work um, that I had wondered what was going on there because there would always be, you would see people outside there'd be one or two security guards that were out there and you'd see a few people outside and they were walking in the parking lot by these cones. They had to stay within the cones and they kept, they would just like walk around and I'm like, what the heck is going on there? And I had found out that that's one of the places when people come 
into Manitoba, whether it's from um, out of province or off a plane from working more up north, like say for hydro, stuff like that, they had to go to these hotels and they had to self-isolate for 14 days. And they were only allowed out once a day and they were only allowed to go in this little area. But yeah, exactly that is you have, um, if you're in hotels that don't have, well, I was going to say bathrooms, like you have bathroom times or you would have um, your meals. You would always get really cold if you got your meals. <laughs> like it was, it was really bad. And a lot of people you just see staring out the windows. Like it was so sad. Yeah. Well, and that's, so I guess what Australia is doing is now they're looking at building camps. Oh my God. Camps. Like, Camps like or like hello, <laughs> or, I, am I just making like just jumps and jumps and and uh, like trying to find patterns where there there isn't a pattern? Um, it's a little hard not to make a um, similarities between certain things. It's almost impossible, dude. Like camps. Is... Wow. Yeah, so I guess in, uh, well, with the, the Nuremberg race laws that was passed in 1935. Uh, so the law uh, for the protection of German blood and honor prohibited marriage and extramarital sexual relations between Jews and persons of German or related blood. The Reich citizen law, citizenship law defined Jews as subjects of the state and a second-class status. So think of the the rhetoric that is being wow. pushed about uh, if you're not vaccinated. I, I actually, I ju- it just popped up on my phone that <laughs> restaurants. Well, mm. oh, breaking news, but it just popped up that businesses in in BC are seeking government approval for the proof of vaccine. Yeah. But, like, it, at, at what point, at, at what point is, does the, the madness just stop? At what point are we going to say, okay, enough, in the name of what? I don't even, I, I, I don't even know if it will. Like, to be honest, this just, I've heard people say before, you know, that, that we're never going to oh. get back to normal again. Like, this is the new normal. And I think that there's going to be some um, way to somewhat the old normal. However, we've already proven that the government can completely control us and that we're okay with that. Well, and, and, you know, and 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 I've said it in private and I'm going to say it public. Well, I said it a little bit, but if (laughs) if this is what Canada is, and I said this. This I think this election will will really, really kind of show that that people are okay. That the government just comes in and dictates what you do. They flip flop. You have gov- like it is. It is. It is a, a two tiered system. When you have government officials saying stay home, they're saying everyone just stay home. Don't go anywhere. 
and then they go jet off to you know the G7 and go bump elbows and and shake hands and photo ops, right? While every while they're saying, no, no, peasant, peasantry, you stay home. Yeah. Do what I say, you not do what I do. Yeah. You you don't. You're too dumb to know what to do. So let let the let the you know the elites of of the world have our fun, and we'll we'll laugh in your face. So I guess in in I don't know. Oh fuck! We, how long have we been going? Uh, Almost two hours. An hour and a half now. Okay. <laughs> well. I don't know. I could I could keep going on this, uh, but yeah, trucking industry is uh, is beyond screwed. Um, government inability to act, and uh, you know our slow race to the bottom. And the it, new word I learned today: stagflation. Yeah, yeah. So when GDP is low, or GDP, yeah, GDP is low, and unemployment is low, but cost rise which is what we are experiencing right now 100%. some have argued we've been in a, a state of stagflation since about mm, since about nafta passed so uh all the people that? that were yelling and uh arguing about nafta you know and people that are who are championing it thanks <laughs> well, yeah Thanks for the, you know, the lack of protectionism, the outsourcing of all, every single job, and then have the audacity to say, well, why, why are kids today, why do they complain so much? Well, because you sold out our country just to make a quick buck. But I will save, I will save my rent, and I will save my, my opinions on the NAFTA and TTP or TPP. I will save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, um, we'd go for hours more. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get the fuck. I mean, let's get the heck out of here. All right, for anybody who's uh, stayed listening to our rants and our jibber jabbering this song, thank you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment. If there's any uh, upcoming things that you want us to talk about, leave it in the comments. Let us know. Oh, and um. I am in the process of actually getting a new microphone, so I won't sound like I'm talking through a tin can. Um, hopefully by uh, our next episode, uh, everything will be all hunky-dory. So, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, hopefully my mic is sounding better this time, and I'm not cutting out so much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, super sorry about that for the last two episodes. <laughs> that was not cool. No, definitely was not, but yeah. we'll figure it out. Yes, we will. It can only get better with this shit show. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think I think our with the week we've had, we're hopefully gonna start looking up. Oh, I hope. Fuck, that's right. So yeah, this this week, huh. trucking industry. Holy crap! Truck trucks today piss me off. They piss me off with how cheap they're made, how complex they are, in terms like. If one thing goes wrong, the whole thing shuts down. Oh, what is that? You farted on your left cheek instead of out of the right? Mm, out, of out of service. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what, what, what is that? Your, uh, your washer fluid blow? Mm, out of service. Right? Yep. Right, Reese? Speak. Say something. <laughs>
Peter. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're on, what are we on? What the fuck are we on? Rumble, Spotify, uh, Instagram, Anchor, Facebook. yeah, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, everything's linked uh, in the well, description. Uh, it's also linked yeah. on our page. Um, you can see right underneath the banner, you can click on any of the logos and it'll take you right to us. Oh, yeah, if you want to support this uh, embarrassment of a of a conversation uh, piece on <laughs> uh, PayPal, you could also send me um, send your send your dick pics and whatever else to uh, I don't know send someone else. Don't forget about the tatas. No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can send me uh, you. you can send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's get out of here. Okay. Bye, guys. Have a good night.